From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, happy Halloween. Our first guest specializes in many areas that might, well, most folks might find a little bit scary, and that's public speaking. Pamela Conifer joins us today, and we'll talk with her about the art of public speaking and her side career as a jazz singer. Later, my producer, Sherita Brent, will talk with me about my latest book, Drawing the Line, Marshall Ramsey's 20th Anniversary Cartoon Collection. Since it's Halloween, we want to know, do you believe in ghosts or spirits? Why or why not? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING, and stay tuned. We'll be back after the news. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. Hey, happy Monday and happy Halloween, the scariest day of the year, except for Election Day. So ghosts and goblins are everywhere. I know, I had to put a little bit of a pause on that because i know everybody's thinking i am so sick of this election at this point yeah and and then with the uh the new email information resurfacing oh i don't know it seems strategic or convenient. oh who knows at this point can anything know. move the needle at this point because i mean we yeah they were talking about that we've uh, known these people forever and mm-hmm. you either love them or you hate them at this point right i mean what are we going to find out on either one of them that surprises us yeah nothing that's nothing point. not a single thing so it was just except a, murder that's it. I think murder would really. Uh, hey, we still have a few days left. <laughs> so, you know, you never know. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not getting into the who you should vote for thing because believe Mm-mm. I'll do that with my cartoons. I'll, I'll just leave that there. And I saw that at least 21 million people have already voted. So, I know it. Ooh. They just want to get out of the way. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like having to go get a cavity filled. Might as well get it out of the way. <laughs> or, you remember in college when you had to do public speaking mm-hmm. and you're always like, I just go ahead and volunteer now. Yeah. So you could sit in the back of the class and just laugh at all your friends because you got, you got out of the way. extra points for going first. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I tell you, you know, it's funny. Speaking of being scared on Halloween, tell me, and you do it. You and I both do this for a living. We get up in front of people. So obviously neither one of us are scared by public speaking. But there are a lot of people that are horrified by it. You know, I actually am still afraid to an extent. But you use that energy, don't you? Mm-hmm. See, I do too. Mm-hmm. I use that energy to make myself a better speaker. And uh, that's that's a trick for me. But we got Pamela Conifer here. Yes. She is a longtime friend of mine, I guess. Yes. Uh, we went through Leadership Jackson together many, many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. Yeah. She she looks the same. I look older and tired. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. You Just know. because I have nothing else, I'll it's, take it's it. It's radio. We can we can do that. And uh, Sharita's got an interview with a hack later on in the show. <laughs> Just a complete hack. Yeah, Marshall has a very special book uh, that is out. It's called Drawing the Line. And uh, it is a compilation. I think of how many cartoons? 172? 172 out of 6,000. Yes. Over the course of 20 years, you 20 had to years. narrow it down to that. So um, finally, I'm going to interview you, interview you for a change, Marshall. You will be on the other side of this. Oh, I'm so nervous. Okay. Okay. Number one, it just made, was made announced today that the Mississippi Press Association is going to roast me 
Wow. You know what? I ought to get you to be one of the roasters, Frida. I was about to say, please let me you, be on the panel. That, actually, that I, may, I may actually see. No, you know who wants to do it really badly? Uh, how many? My wife. Okay, the line I mean, is forget, long, right? Forget the governor. I mean, I'm sure the governor would love to do it. My wife would love to get up there after 23 years of marriage and just completely roast me, mm-hmm. which is why she will not even be told that it is happening. <laughs> she's not going to be told. Unless she's listening today. She's not listening. Oh, okay. No, she's, okay. she's she's dealing with uh, the little guys right mm-hmm. now. So she she teaches the little little guys, the ones that are going to be knocking on your door getting your candy. Yeah. So yeah. since it is Halloween, we I, do have a question of the day. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe in ghosts and spirits? And so you got some stuff on your Facebook page and the Twitter and. You know, Lena says, yes, but not in a Halloween kind of way from the scientific theorem that nothing is created or destroyed. Things are merely transformed through regeneration process. I saw that question. I thought, wow, that was probably the most thought that was put into him. There's one person that said no and I don't drink. (laughs) <laughs> Which I thought that was pretty funny, too, because that's what I thought of when I thought of spirits. So. Rick said, the Holy Ghost, and I don't drink. There okay, you go. Rick? Yeah. Mike yeah. said, ghosts, no, demons, yes, but mostly I'm afraid of people. <laughs> I thought that you was know funny. what? That really did, and, and we've proved that with this election, that people are a lot scarier than, than Halloween characters. Yeah. So we'd like to get your thoughts on that. Uh, do you believe in ghosts and spirits? Why or why not? 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Let me throw another question out to you, Sharita. What is your favorite Halloween candy? What would you be happy if you showed up at the door and they start handing it to you? You love candy corn, don't you? Uh, you are the one yes. person. You do like candy corn. That's I do. And my friends think uh, it's ridiculous. That's but terrible. That's like the Brussels sprouts of candy. <laughs> and I had Brussels sprouts last night, too. That's funny. Uh, uh, but my grandmother put me on candy corn when I was a child. When we were in church, she used to always have candy corn in a little plastic bag. And that's she put what you I would on eat. candy corn. It makes it sound like some kind of drug. Yeah, because she was convinced that candy corn curbed hunger. So it was always, if my stomach was growling in church she would give me candy corn so i used that's to plan it like. hoping i'd get like big tall candy corn <laughs> you know stalks and yeah. everything get more candy corn and it never worked out really well but i've heard it's not very good for your teeth well i don't think anything with sugar technically is <laughs> specifically I mean, candy corn is on okay. the list four out of five horrible. dentists don't recommend candy corn is that what you're saying yes you ever wonder saying. about that commercial who that fifth dentist was <laughs> he probably just went through a divorce and had a car payment oh man yeah here you go eat some sugar sugar gum it's good for you i yeah. i would be very happy if reese's were sitting out there ew you know i don't like chocolate huh you know i don't like chocolate reese's is horrible any kind of chocolate Okay. I would just I would just throw all of it out of my little Halloween bag. Yes, straight from the Soviet Union, we have <laughs> Sharita Brent. God, you don't like chocolate. You, you, are are you celebrate? Are you participating in Halloween tonight? Or well, yeah, I've gonna, got a nine year old. Of course, I'm going to be. Light going to be on? Or yeah, well, my trick is I buy the candy I really like, and then I'll turn the light on. Okay, and that way there's more for me. Mm. That's a very good theory. It works very well. But no, I'll be out with the nine year old. He's uh you know, he's still into the whole dressing up trick or treat thing. Okay. I told the sixteen year old, "No, don't you go?" Because then you the castle. Well, then the castle doctrine starts kicking in. Oh. But they had a Halloween party over the weekend, so that was mm-hmm. he got to dress up with his girlfriend. They went as um, Fred and and uh, Daphne. Oh. Okay. They actually looked pretty close. That's so, cool. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. I went so. to a haunted house last year in Brandon, and I will not be going again. A whole year ago. Yes, it was mm-hmm. very scary. You're still scared. There were humans popping out, and it was really dark and, and crazy, and so I won't be doing that again. 
Oh, nope. that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't either. You know what I don't like, especially with me being like Mr. Concussion Man, the ones where you're walking through and they have like a low ceiling and you don't see it. You just mm-hmm. walk into it. Yeah. I do that on a daily basis into the door frame. I don't need <laughs> to do that in a haunted house. But yeah, uh, I remember one time we had one in college and I was one of the, you know, part of the props. So I was like the scary guy on the table and they played Crazy Train by Ozzy. Over mm. and over and over. I was like, if I hear that song again, I'll get crazy. Over the weekend, um, I was in a, I went to a journalism conference. How was that? Uh, it was interesting. I got to talk to young minds about careers in journalism. So okay. that was kind of an interesting conversation. You know, <laughs> change your major. Now. Cool. No, right. I didn't. I didn't. Do, I didn't do that. I promise. Don't. No, I just told him. I said, "What are you going to do on your brand? What are you going to be to special?" So I thought that was pretty cool. I got to host the Masters of Funk concert at the Jackson Convention Complex. So check this out. It was the Barcade. You know, they never asked me to do that one. I don't know why. Of course not, because you're not funky. It was the Barcade. If I am, it's usually about another meeting. <laughs> the Ohio Players uh, Confunction and Original Lakeside. And I'm telling you, these guys, some of them have been performing together for 50 years. It was crazy. Like I, I, I'm, I'm probably the youngest person there but i'm a musician so i get funk and i was feeling it it was great if i had a band i'd do the schoolhouse rock mm-hmm. i'd go confunction junction <laughs> what's your function that'd be great i think yeah, that'd be great that was so, cool but it was good i the, the, fantastic got to hang out with the kids that run the student newspaper where i got my start 25 years ago mm-hmm. and and i'll say this right now the newspaper's in very good hands they were, they were all very sharp and they're a lot more professional than i was 25 years ago yeah. heck a lot more professional i am now come to think of it there were there were a couple of them that came up to me and you're just thinking wow you got a good career ahead of you did you see dak last night speaking of a good career ahead Man, of you i was glued to the television all yesterday watching all the nfl football games i mean the okay, seahawks what's, the, what's, what, what's the this stuff about close. ending in ties I, I I don't know, but I don't like it. Somebody uh, is supposed to win. But, okay, good. I'm fine. Glad we finally agree on something. But today. that was great to see Dak. I, you know, so he threw the interception. He wasn't and then, having a great game, but he still managed to win. Yeah, outstanding. I went to sleep. I didn't see all the overtime. I saw the highlights this morning, but it was just a great day of football yesterday altogether. Yeah, I'm proud of, of him. I, I'm proud of him though. That just shows you if you're having a bad day, you can still win, mm-hmm. and that's important. It really is. And the is. pressure to have Tony Romo watching you on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, Did you see the look on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they showed it. He wasn't happy. Yeah, it was great, though. Okay, speaking of pressure, I have to sign Prince for Peyton Manning. No, that's yeah. a privilege. Well, no, it is, except, <laughs> except I'm, knowing me, I'll probably misspell it. I'll probably no. spell it P-E-Y or something like that. Just but. don't think about it. Just do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That'll be fine. It's the Pat Summer print me. that I did. I'll be your assistant for the day so I can meet him. So you can meet him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good deal. Well, that would be the only time. Normally, I'm going to be your assistant. <laughs> well, we got... But we got I tell you what, we have a great show ahead of us. Pamela Confer's here. I got Conifer. Where did I come from? Well, the- it's the Conifer tree, and yeah. I think most people oh, I know. say that. How long You're just I too you? smart for yourself. No, I'm just too, it's too early in the day. <laughs> so, you know, if it were noon, I would have gotten it maybe correct, but uh, no, definitely. So we're going to have a great conversation with you, but we're going to take a break first. How's that sound? Oh, there we go. We we just broke. So there you go. (laughs) Only on live radio as well. (laughs) Question of the day is this. Since it's Halloween, we want to know, do you believe in ghosts and spirits? And you can give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back to the Halloween edition of Now You're Talking. And, of course, our next guest is not scary at all. She's actually quite talented, and I'm very glad she's here. Now, we actually met, oh, gosh, it's been 16 years ago. That's a millionaire. She hadn't changed. I've gotten much older. At a Leadership Jackson, we were a member of that. And so, and I discovered that she's incredibly talented, and she's, like, trying to get the headphones on her hair, which is quite funny. My afro, yeah. and uh, it, it'll just keep going. I know. I have the very yeah. similar similar problem <laughs> myself. Pamela Comfort's here, and uh, incredible in that international award-winning professional speaker and public relations consultant. I love that. 15 years of experience. So I now know what you did after we got out of Leadership Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Just talking, making a difference. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's really cool. It really is, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because uh, all three of us kind of get up in front of crowds and talk and everything. But you're the founder of Speak Big. I like that. An effective communications and public speaking program. Mm-hmm. How do you decide to say, okay, I want to get up in front of people? Yeah, I don't think I made the decision. Life made the decision. Yeah, because so of your shyness? <laughs> well, actually, I used to be shy up really? until about 19 or 20 years old. So I've only been 25 years into smiling and, and actually talking. So well, I, isn't that cool? Yeah. Being able to smile and talk at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Some people, that's difficult. It really is. I had to, I had to learn to do that because I, I was watching myself on television. I was like, man, I look like I'm passing a kidney stone. <laughs> I gotta work on this. Well, you have to learn to do that. You Otherwise, do. people may be confused. I know. Well, yeah. they usually are because I am. So it works on that. Okay, eighteen, nineteen years old. You suddenly wake out of your shot. What what pivotal moment you woke up and said, "I can do this"? Yeah, I went to college, and my professors there just kind of tapped the potential inside of me and yeah. that I didn't have growing up. And all of a sudden, I knew I had to make a difference, which is why I started speaking to. Let other people know the same. Right. And yeah. isn't it amazing, though, when you run across somebody like that, that pushes you out of your comfort zone? Yep. I had a speech, actually a speech professor of all things. And I remember I got 95 on the first test. She put it down in front of me and I was all cocky. It's like, yeah, because I didn't study. And she looked at me and she said, you can do better than that. It's like, no, 95? Mm-hmm. She said, no, you can do better than that. I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, she she challenged me. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, the rest, of, I was shy too, but I got past that. And How uh, long were you shy? Was it? The first 20 years like me? Or? Well, you know, it's weird on shyness. I could actually get in front of people, but then as soon as I got away from people, I kind of wanted to hole up. You know, I could get up and perform, but it was like I wasn't comfortable doing it. Now I'm comfortable doing it because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. So I like people now. But, <laughs> but I didn't like people then. So, But you you figured out about that time you could do the, the public speaking. And what made you decide to go into it for a living? Well, it really chose me. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty serious statement. It's, you know, I, I'm an entertainer as well, along with Rita. And Oh, my God, you've got the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. And and I just think that anything that we do in that way is, is a gift. Yeah. And if you have a gift and you don't share it, it's it's pretty selfish. The parable of the talents. Yeah. Don't be the servant who buries the, the mm-hmm. talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that was what I realized was my calling, and ever since then, that's what I've been doing is just trying to make a difference and trying to effectuate some change in the world, right? Through singing or speaking or writing or whatever, whatever talents I have. When you get up and speak, and you know, I show cartoons, tell funny stories, do a little bit of motivation. What do you talk about? Some of everything. Yeah, it really depends on the, the audience. You know, yeah. it's a lot of self self help types of things, but you know, I have this pretty crazy humor. Like the two of you here, and it <laughs> no. it can take you in any direction. I mean, oh, did you hear Sharita say she didn't like chocolate? That's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, all day. It's actually a sin. It's it's a sin. I would think it, so. It's been written. Mm-hmm. It it's, is. It's, it's, in, it's in both testaments. It is not. 
It is. It is not. It is. It was the 11th. It just got cut off the stone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not right. Yeah. No, it's wrong. Yeah. So it, talk about the fear of public speaking, because, I mean, man, there's a lot of folks out there that seriously, that's right up there on the top thing. Yeah, that people most are people would, would much rather be chased by a dog or, you know, exist with some snakes or get on a plane than to speak in public. And I think it's just a what fear. What if they did all three? <laughs> Then that's death. That's basically death. Yeah, they man, they're going to make three. a Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> they, movie about they'd it. They'd much rather die then, so if that's the case. <laughs> Dogs and snakes on the plane. <laughs> speaking on a plane. Yeah. But, yeah, and instead of speaking in public. But I think it's just because of the fear of humiliation and yeah. just disappointing people and not having anything to say. But we all have something to say. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is. And I, I think it, you just touched yeah. on something because yeah. it's like sometimes a self-esteem thing because yeah. you get up and you don't think you're good enough. Right. And so, But how do you get past that? You know, life just chose me. You know, that's all yeah. I can say. You know, we all have this special lot that we're in in life. And, and I found my lot. And when you're someplace where you feel completely comfortable and it's utopic, then you know that it's your lane and it's been chosen for you. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people don't get a chance to have that experience. Right. I'm, I'm really blessed to have that experience. I grew up very, very insecure and in a, in a very stressful environment. So getting out of that help me to realize that I've got a life to share and I have love to share and happiness to share. And you don't want anybody else to, to know or to feel as if they don't have a place in this world. And so I kind of feel it's my duty to let everyone know that. There's but it's kind of fun because you can take all the challenges you've had in your life and you can get out on that platform and do it in yeah. an entertaining way. And suddenly you realize there are people in that audience that have gone through the same thing and you're actually helping them. Yeah, actually helping them. And, it, you know, when it when it transfers over to whether I'm singing or, or training or whatever I'm doing, you can, you can pinpoint that person in the audience that, that's pretty sad or yeah. just having some type of experience or not wanting to take a leap or take a risk. And I'm sure Rita B can probably attest to that. You can you can find that person and most people will run away from that person. But I, I run to that person. I do too. I go, yeah. I look them right in the eye yes. and try to make them smile. Exactly. That's yeah. it. So yeah. we all know it's it's the same type of thing, and you, it, that's that's the calling that we have, and it's really important. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Okay, so there's somebody listening right now that has got a huge presentation tomorrow, maybe at work or even at school, and they're thinking, how do I do this? I mean, can you give them some practical tips to help them? It's always good to separate things into threes. You, know, you got love, peace, and soul, and you have... What else? What's some other threes? Uh, love, ba peace, and hair grease. Love, yeah. peace, and <laughs> bacon, <laughs> eggs, and toast. I don't know. <laughs> but if you can separate anything into three points, you can get through any speech. It could be five yeah. minutes long. It could be 50 minutes long. But three major points. And Toastmasters International is a great organization to be a part of. I'm a, a member of, of one as well. But you tell them what you're going to tell them. You tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. And by the time you finish, you've got great speech and you practice in front of a mirror in front of someone who can give you constructive feedback so not your mama or grandmama who would right. say oh that's just good baby I like that you don't want that <laughs> you no. want somebody who's going to tell you the truth about your gestures and your disposition because the crowd will tell you if you don't do it ahead of time yeah it will and it's, and it's very embarrassing so. oh my gosh Pam you just hit on something there because my mom <laughs> is the worst person to practice in front of she never gives me constructive criticism yeah but your I granny mean, on the other hand no my granny will my yeah. granny has told me Rita don't say those words and <laughs> stand up but my mom is like oh my baby this is just awesome and I'm like mom I need some real criticism so my manager Miranda usually is the person to do that for me but I'm not even comfortable practicing in front of everybody
about it because it makes me vulnerable. Even pre- and even in preparing for my TED talk, mm-hmm. instead of just saying it aloud, I was whispering, you know, and Miranda was like, practice it aloud. And I was like, no, you know, because I don't have really? it all together yet. Yeah. Huh. My jokes, many times I, I'll practice those alone and I'll record it and listen back to it. So I'm my own audience. But there's just this huge degree of vulnerability that comes with public speaking because you don't want others to think you don't have it together. You, you know, know, it's really weird for me is I don't sit down and write out a speech. I know basically what I'm going to talk about. And of course, I show cartoons sometimes. So that kind of gets me through it. But I get like in a zone, like a pitcher, you know, and, I'm, and I don't even remember. A lot of times somebody's, what are you going to talk about? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll get there and I'll do it. And by the end of it, it's great standing ovation. And they'll say, well, what did you just say? I have no idea, you know, because that's just how I perform. And you know, and see, I'm the over-preparer. Yeah. I write my jokes word for word. I record them. I listen back to them. But it's it's different talents. You know, some people can do an outline for a speech, and then they can just improvise based on that one line. But some people need to know word for word what they're going to say and memorize it that way. So I guess different techniques for different people. Different, different yeah. techniques, but it's also your own natural talent. So you've, you've got to have some sort of natural talent to right. either do an outline or say something word for word so it won't sound mm-hmm. so scripted. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. a trick, too, because I... I was reading it. Well, sure. And I both were reading teleprompters about a week ago yeah. and uh, that was tricky. You know how to make yeah. it sound natural when you're doing a teleprompter humor and that's humor. can either be the greatest gift in the world during a speech or it can absolutely destroy you. If you have no sense of humor <laughs> and you tell something, what do you recommend people do on humor? It depends on your audience. I remember being at an event for Alzheimer's patients and their, and their healthcare providers and, and I was talking and, and I really forgot and I kind of said a joke related to I forgot what I was going to say. And, you know, but um, but, yeah. but they, they laughed because they know me. So yeah. you have to kind of know your audience and you don't want to be the new person in the room cracking a joke because yeah. they're, they're still trying to figure out if they like you or not. And then you crack a joke on top of that. So that's not really cool. Well, but if they expect you to tell a joke, though, if they expect you to tell a joke, you got to knock it out of the park. And it right. can't it can't be common. It has to be something that has your own flavor or signature on it that yeah. you can that you can get over to the audience. But, you know, there are plenty of jokes on the internet, which is a, you know, which really helps, you know, especially those people that can't figure out the, the right kind of a joke. You want to hear one that I tell older people all the oh, time? please do. Okay, so there's an older woman and there's an older man, and they have a very tumultuous relationship. They've been married forever because she has a buying habit. She buys everything she sees. So he's a very religious guy. He says, you know what? The next time you go shopping, I just want you to say, get thee behind me, Satan, get thee behind me. So she practices it, and she says, okay, get thee behind me, Satan. So she's walking past, past the store window. She sees this wonderful red dress in the window, and she says, get thee behind me, Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. And so she comes home with the dress anyway, mm-hmm. and her husband says, what's going on? Why did you bring this dress home? I thought we talked about this. She said, I did. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. And she said, well, what happened? He said, well, shoot, you look good from behind, too. So I bought it. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yes. So older people really like right. that because they can relate to the arguments and, yes. you know, buying things and all of that. So it depends on your audience. And I think you touched on something there. I think for humor to work, it has to have a big, fat degree of truth. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. work. And on your audience on that. But, you know, sometimes you'll get up and you'll you'll tell a funny story or tell a joke and you hear... <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, whoa, that wasn't good. Just keep it moving. Yeah, Sharita's like, I've never had that problem. Yeah. Never had that problem. Now, like, do you uh, picture the audience naked? Does that work? Oh, yeah. I, a a number see, of things. I, oh, I don't know how. Sometimes that's good. I think sometimes the show is pretty PG, but yes. yeah, so I do, I do picture the audience naked in 
Yeah, a number of other things that really helps. It I, really helps. I tried that one time, and then I looked at my audience. I was like, no, I don't want to see you naked. <laughs> like, no. I was sitting there bleaching my eyes after the speech. That was bad. So what are some other things that help? You just mentioned that. Yeah, taking a deep breath, being prepared, getting to the place on time or before time, taking some time by yourself to just do that woo-saw moment and say, okay, I've got this. Yeah. Uh, Self-talk, saying I can do this, and yes, visualizing in advance you're going to be successful, knowing in advance you're going to be successful, and not not looking at, as I said before, every single person in your audience as a nemesis or someone who wants you to do bad. They may be having a bad day on that day, and your job is to uplift them. So you look at it again like I brought a gift. Who doesn't like gifts? We all love to, to have a present, to take a present from someone. So if, you, if you're bringing a big gift in the room, they're going to like it. Because right. it's a gift. Look at it that way. One of the gifts that I think you talk about, and then we're going to go to a break in just a second, but um, you kind of teach people that a simple smile can move yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. Yep. A smile is the simplest form of makeup that you can wear. Not that you need it, Marshall. I but actually I'm- do. <laughs> I have terrible skin. But we can also we can always smile, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. And if you think about a little bitty baby with no teeth, yeah. and if you think of a 99-year-old woman with no teeth, they're still beautiful, and there's still a wonderful smile in there. So people don't realize the power of a smile and how much it can it can really move the world. It can disarm yeah, the world, too. Definitely. Definitely yeah. on that. Yeah. We do have a call on our question of the day is this. Do you believe in ghosts or spirits? we got Larry on the line from Hazelhurst. Hello, Larry. How are you on this Halloween? Well, I'm a... Retired Methodist preacher with a classical education in the 1950s with logic and philosophy as well as the Bible and theology. But I knew that John Wesley said that there was a friendly ghost in the house they all grew up in. They named him Teddy or something like that. But I, I'm not a mystical person. However, in elementary school, I had a playmate, and uh, his uh, daddy came back from World War II from and, and brought some little tiny toys. I didn't know what they were. Volkswagen, little tiny, a three of them fit your head. And he gave me one or two of them. Right after that, his uh, mother and daddy were killed in a plane crash. And he had to go live with his aunt. Uh, I was in Bossier City, and they moved over to Shreveport. And when he finished Bird High School, he was so bright, he was in the first class to be admitted to uh, the new Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Well, I kept up with him. He was a later uh, airplane pilot. But then... About five, ten years ago, I got um, a strange thing in the night. He came and visited me in this dream, and I thanked him for those toys and uh, how much I missed uh, him through the years. And about that time, the phone rang, and I woke up, and uh, his cousin was saying, Did you know John Hayes died last night? Wow. Ooh. (laughs) I can't explain that one. (laughs) Was it a dream? Was it a, a visitation? Uh, I'm in the scientific method and logic, so I'm not afraid. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, spooky coincidence, to say the least. Larry, that's great. I love the story. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll continue for a few more minutes with, of course, the ever-talented and amazing Pamela Confer. Talk a little bit about her singing career, too, because uh, she's pretty amazing. Oh, actually, I'll just make her sing. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Question of the day is this. Do you believe in ghosts or spirits? You can give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Like a summer's way so cool and swings so gentle. And when she passes, each one she passes goes out. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on a very spooky and scary Monday, which is, of course, Halloween. It's hard to believe this year has gone by. And it kind of messed up because, I mean, there's going to be kids out trick-or-treating tonight in shorts because it'll be 95 degrees. Craziness. I was like, I, I tweeted out over the weekend. I said, look, Summer, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> it's it's November. All right. The party's over. Go away. So it's like, <laughs> just leave. It's so hot. I tell you what, we do have a good question today, though. That is Halloween related. Do you believe in ghosts or spirits? Why or why not? And we've already we love had, to hear ghost stories. Yeah, too. we've already a good ghost story. So. Of course, Pamela Comfort's in here with us, a great speaker and a great musician. And that was her that you heard on the way out of the last break, by the way. And uh, so what's your ghost story? Yeah, I don't I don't really have a ghost story. I mean, I think I, I am a ghost. Yeah. What? Yeah, I think I've been here before and I'm an extension of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, that's how I feel most oh, of gosh, the time. Oh, gosh. No wonder I have like multiple personalities, yeah. if, if that's true. I'm going to tell you that, you know, I have these premonitions and people normally get really scared when I'm around. I can guess things before you say it. I, you could call me on the phone and say, hey, Pam, and I'll say, I think you should get the blue shirt with the white stripes. And they're like, how do you know I'm in Marshalls looking at a blue shirt with white oh, stripes? Wow. I'm serious. So when it comes to stuff like that, I am a spirit. It's not that I believe in them. I, I am one. You're standing, you're running one step ahead of time. Yeah, I'm yeah. serious. So feel lucky or scared, whichever one you'd like. I've never like had an actual ghost like Casper come up to me and go boo. But, you know, you do have feelings like, oh, my grandmother's around. Or, you know, you kind of get, and suddenly you think about her for no apparent reason. Or, you know, you get little signs and stuff like that. And it's like, that's kind of weird. And knowing my grandmother, she probably would come back, you know, just, <laughs> just to mess with me. Just because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Sharita thinks her granny's tough. She is. Mine was really tough. Okay. So she's pretty tough, too. So, said least. I mean, she raised, you know, she had two grandsons, Dave Ramsey and me. So mm -hmm. she had to be tough. My grandmother still thinks I'm a little girl. So she's just afraid for me to do things like stay out after dark or like, run, run yeah. with the fork in your hand. Yeah. yeah. Like get home before dark, Rita. I'm like, Granny, I'm 29 years old. It's, I, the sun goes down at 530. So, yeah, I think yeah. I, I probably come that. <laughs> Pamela, you're, you're, of course, editor of the book Spoken Success, Understanding the Art of Public Speaking by Robert Little. And, of course, you've edited a series of children's books, too, by Little, and that's pretty cool also. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of neat to be able to help kids. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is. I mean, we, we, we're we kids anyway. We just don't that's have a true. choice but to grow up. I yeah. mean, we are all our children. I know. We really are. <laughs> we really are. Yeah. Yeah, so. if it wasn't for the whole being an adult thing, it, you know, life would be a lot more fun. Right. I mean, I'd love to dance to Barney. It would just be kind of awkward. That's the only reason I don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's funny. I, I mentioned Barney, and my kids didn't even know who Barney <gasps> was. I know it. Well, it's because we successfully avoided Barney. So, okay. Know. Oh, well, I guess that's a good thing. I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But if you're 16, if he took it up, it might be a little bit of a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That, of course, you're an accomplished jazz singer. Now, how long have you been singing? I've been singing all of my life. My family on my mother's side all sings. All of my siblings sing. We're so like you had the, no choice? No choice. We did the A and B selections at all the church programs. Uh -huh. My sister and my brothers and I, it drove us crazy. Whether we wanted to sing or not, now we'll have an A and B selection from the Comfort Kids. Like, no. <laughs> not again. But I do tell you that we didn't realize until we grew up how much of a gift that was yeah. to to be able to sing four different voice, voices 
And we had no idea we were talented. It just drove us crazy to always be put on program. But but now we realize the significance of that. And we probably made a difference in a lot of people's lives because of that. There's always something really magical, too, about siblings that can sing together. Yeah. Because it's like y'all can anticipate each other's, you know, when you're going to change or whatever. It's, it just seems to be a little bit better. It's amazing. We would sing about cars. We'd be in the van and we'd say, I see a car. I see. And we just all in harmony. All of us would just talk about one car and we would, I mean, sing about one car and it'd be amazing. We didn't realize as nine, eight, seven, ten year olds that that was a gift. We thought everybody could do that. Yeah, because cool. trust me, you don't want to hear my sisters and I. <laughs> so it's not normal. Trust me. But but why jazz? I, I think it's just always been a part of my spirit once again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ooh, but I've, I've always loved jazz. When I sing gospel, it sounds like jazz. When I sing Bunny Ray, it sounds like jazz. Everything that I sing, it's like jazz. And it's been like that my entire life. And that's just a big part of me. You know, it's kind of funny because when I do paintings and when I do other drawings, it sometimes comes out like a cartoon. It's just kind of funny how you kind of always gravitate to yeah, True North. Yeah. yeah Definitely yeah, on that. Yeah. So very tight. Did you train? No, I nope. didn't. I didn't train. It's just a kind of more of a natural evolution, I guess, of myself as well. It's a mixture of so many different genres. I think jazz is, and it's all about your emotions and your feelings and what you're going through, what you want to go through, and it's it's just a way of releasing a lot of pain and, and celebrating a lot yeah. of joy at the it, same time. The movie Whiplash, one of the characters was talking about how jazz is watered down now and everything else. Do you think jazz gets its due now? No, I, I think jazz has pretty much always been the same to me. I mean, I think, you know, you have your more popular music, but when you think about things that really um, just dig down into your soul and, and, and pick up your heart and say, hey, here it is in front of you. To me, that's, that's jazz. And yeah. it's such a culmination of everything. It's not... It's not like a forgotten language or anything. It's an amazing, ever-evolving type of music that I think you'll see in hip-hop and you'll see in R&B, you'll see in blues. It just transfers through all these different types different types of, of genres very easily. Kind of like a little golden thread. This is you again singing. Why don't we take a listen? It's all I can see Let's be, be the one Come running to I, got, I have to say that you truly have the finest voice of any constable in Hines County. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you really do. I love the way you make songs your own. That is yeah, you do. Awesome. Thank you. you thank really you. Do. Thank you. Because it's one thing to sing a cover, but to make it your own is, I think, uh, you know, takes a little more effort. So yeah. And it does to do it in a way that you want to hear it. Because some people make it their own. You're like, no, don't make it your own. Well, the, the thing about it is when, when you're when you're singing a song, it's to me about the lyrics more than it is about how that person sang it. So it's how those words touch you. You're storytelling. It's, yeah, you're storytelling. So how can it be exactly the same as the way someone else told it? That's exactly. not how you tell stories. And so it's not about people liking the music. It's about you kind of channeling into their spirit and saying, don't you feel the same way? I've had people come to my shows and say, you know, I'm not really a fan of jazz music. And I'm like, okay, well, 
Yeah, why, why are you Welcome, here? Yeah, why are you here? <laughs> but they stay the whole time. Yeah. And it's, it's an unexpected experience. And so I want you to come to be entertained, but to leave changed a little bit. And I think that's what jazz does for me. Where are you performing next? I just performed at TEDx this past week. That's what I hear. And I'm actually working on an album now. So I'm, I'm also bilingual. I don't know if you guys put that in, in, in my no, we didn't intro, know that. but I've got three Spanish song, Spanish songs on my on new CD coming up. So it's going to be pretty cool. I never knew she was as talented. I knew she could sing, but I didn't know you like could be law enforcement. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, the law enforcement piece is, is very interesting. I think that makes me the multifaceted person of the century. You definitely have some excellent <laughs> stories, I'm sure you can tell. Because when you're constable, you meet some interesting new people. Yeah, I mean, you've got a Glock and you're, you're doing evictions and you're run, running from criminals. Yeah. <laughs> you're running from, yeah, because it's a very interesting, yeah. So, so your life there for a while is kind of like the season out of cops. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first female constable in, in Hines County. So it's, you know, people are not used to that. So, you know, you have to be prepared all the time. I for wouldn't that. mess with and, you. Yeah. That was a good idea because I yeah. walked in your house with the Glock out of the holster just to make sure everyone understood. So, wow. Did you do this? <laughs> this for this your, conversation just took a turn. <laughs> yeah. Did you just do this for your TEDx talk? That's one way to get people's respect. <laughs> no, maybe my next TEDx talk. But yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a whole speech in itself, as, as you said, the constable experience. But I appreciate supervising supervisor Peggy Calhoun for appointing me as as constable for now, did you have the cool area. car with your name on it and all that stuff too yeah it was it was called my car so yeah. it's, it's a constable you don't get a car yeah. <laughs> so you, no but I mean did you put stickers on the side of your yeah, car and everything? yeah I wanted to oh, make that's awesome yeah so I wanted to make sure that people knew Exactly. You know, just in case, you know, yeah. you know. So when you pulled up in the driveway with yeah. the Glock? At that time, I had a, a Lexus from the 90s that had tinted windows, so they could give a mixed message. So I always had my constable stuff festooned around the car and wanted to make sure people understood, hi, I'm your friendly female constable. Yeah, how, here's, how are here's you? your divorce papers. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm your friend. Yeah. So I've been chased by dogs. I've been chased by cats. I've been chased by people. So public uh, speaking is nothing. No. <laughs> it's really nothing. Oh, no, 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 exactly. Especially if you have a Glock, right? <laughs> Especially. <laughs> you can win the audience over every time. Hey, we got some ghost story folks. Why don't we hear from them? That'd be great. We got Judy and Biloxi with a ghost story. Hey, Judy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing fine. What's your ghost story? Well, years ago, I had a favorite uncle, um, and his sister, my aunt, passed away many years before, and he used to tell me about the things that she used to do and visit him after she had passed away. So I said, well, that's all well and good, but if you go before me, you best not come to my house. (laughs) Well, (laughs) after he passed away, I was living out in uh, California in San Diego, and I woke up one morning, and he was standing by my bed and I said oh no we're not doing that you told me you weren't going to come back you promised and he started laughing and just faded away wow have you seen him since nope no okay well he took your he listened to you that's pretty good he better not come back (laughs) that's probably the first man in the world who's ever listened I got to that's definitely worthy what a great story thank you Judy I appreciate it we got Mike and Mobile hello Mike what do you think about ghosts Mikey oh hey Mikey Hey, good morning. Um, uh, well, I wasn't going to tell a ghost story, but I actually do have one if you have time. Oh, yeah, we got a little time. Okay, I lived in downtown Mobile when I first moved back from Washington, D.C., in a, a, a very old house. And um, there had been, you know, I, I brushed it off as, you know, it was, it was at a time when uh, I was newly married and my husband and I had moved in with, you know, um, other people. That The house was big enough that each had 
their own spaces and it was convenient to share. And uh, one of the people, well, more than one of the people, described that there was a ghost there. Um, This house was probably built antebellum. Um, And uh, anyway, the other people moved out. My husband and I were left there. Um, and things kept happening. Um, the, one of the people moved out because he said that he saw <laughs> he saw someone um, that scared the daylights out of him. And it was a she, and uh, she was standing in the wide central hallway, which was known as a dog run. Um, and uh, and uh, she didn't like him being in her space. Um, well. After everybody else moved out um, and and we were there when we weren't working, um, lights started coming on and off. Things, you know, started happening. And uh, um, eventually my beautiful, I love this mirror, man. This was a triple mirror that had come off of an old dresser from a place in Montgomery. But And I propped it in the corner. It had piano hinges on it. And it was... Literally, this was very heavy, but it was knocked over and smashed. Um, I, I called the ghost Amanda, and up until that point, I'd been pretty tolerant of her. I had not seen her myself, but I knew that something was going on. And I just walked around, and I was screaming. I can scream pretty loud. I can hit the back of a theater. And um, I went, this ain't, no, this ain't going to work. Knock it off. Now, I'm, no, you know, I can't replace this mirror. This, this was a, a really wonderful heirloom. So knock it off, Amanda, or it's going to be you and me. Okay, there you go. Mikey has given us some great advice. Don't put up with any grief from any ghosts. And they must teach you how to go school. First thing you do is learn how to push over mirrors because you always hear about that when they do that. Pamela, thank you for being on with us today. Thank you so much for having it's me. It's always guys. good to talk. We have to get you back on. I want to hear more constable stories. Yeah, those definitely. are awesome. Those are awesome. All right, coming up next, we're going to have um, well, Sharita's going to interview a hack. That'll be quite <laughs> good. So I look forward to hearing on that question of the day. Do you believe in ghosts or spirits? I ain't afraid of no ghosts. You can give us a call at eight seven seven MPB ring. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome 
Welcome back to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Marshall Ramsey. And I'm going to be interviewing Marshall about his wonderful new book, Drawing the Line. Marshall, how does it feel to be on the other side of this for a change? I am so honored to be here today (laughs) and be in the studio. Thank you, Sharita. So uh, let's talk about your book, Drawing the Line. It's a compilation of 172 of your best and favorite cartoons uh, from the Clarion Ledger. Now, um, I want to get right into the thick of what it means to be a political cartoonist because that's how that's the genre you're in right you're a political cartoonist exclusively um are you often afraid to put certain people uh in your cartoons yeah my wife uh, okay yeah i put her in politicians wa- I, well <laughs> no not politicians actually i'm not scared of politicians at all i'm scared of their wives mind mm-hmm. you or their spouses uh but no not politicians okay so what what makes someone eligible to be uh the subject of a cart of a marshall ramsey cartoon generally if you cut me off in traffic i'm not going <laughs> to draw a cartoon about you but if you're a public figure that's taking money from the taxpayer that you know yeah, and then generally I will draw cartoons about you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the construction of your book, uh, Man, William Winters. Uh, he wrote the foreword. Now, he did the foreword. How did you get that? I asked him, and he was very glad to do it. And I'll be honest with you, um, I, I was thought, who got to get to do it? Because Pat Fordyce did my first books uh, forward, which was incredible. And then Marsha Barber did the second one. But then I was thinking, who's really been around for a while that could tell about political cartoons of Mississippi, William Winter. And what he wrote in the book, I'm going to have read at my funeral, just hopefully not anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really amazing. Now, you tell a wonderful story about, you know, having developed these different relationships with the wives of the people that you've uh, made cartoons about. And one of them is Pat Fordyce. Could you tell the story of the time you were speaking in front of this Rotary Club and then Pat stood up and, and spoke and then you guys became close? Yeah, it was at Galloway Methodist Church. Uh, there was a couple hundred folks in the audience, maybe a little bit more. And I was talking about another politician's spouse who was mad about how I drew his teeth. They're divorced now. I won't bring it up who it was. <laughs> um, now she would probably be quite, quite happy about it. But I was saying, hey, look, I'm not scared of politicians. I'm scared of the wise. And all suddenly Pat jumps up in the back and says, oh, don't worry, honey. I love the beret. Well, <laughs> you know, at that point, there'd been the big scandal with Kirk and her and all that and, and everything going on. But you know, I'd start drawing Kirk with a beret that said, I heart Paris, because he went to Paris with somebody other than Pat. So Pat jumps up and says this. I didn't know she was in the audience. And I mean, I literally dive under the table because I'm like, oh, my gosh, she got the best of me. But I mean, I laughed. She laughed. And I got to know her. And I tell you what, she had a fantastic sense of humor. And I've gotten to know a lot of the family, too. And Angie Jordan is their daughter. And she's got a fantastic new book out. And I'll be signing with her over in Vicksburg. So it's amazing getting to know the families. And usually what happens is... um, you know, they'll sit there and say, well, I, I don't like the cartoon per se, but boy, he had it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get that a lot. So let's talk about some of the cartoons you have in here. I mean, there's the ones of B.B. King, you know, because you uh, have some funny things, but you also draw cartoons in those moments where uh, everybody may be broken down, whether it be from uh, the, the attack in Paris or Hurricane Katrina. Talk about some of the decisions you made to have that balance between political stuff and natural disasters and different things like that. See, I think a good cartoonist is like a good pitcher. I think you've got to have several pitches. Because mm-hmm. if you just throw fastballs every day, number one, you're going to burn out. Number two, your reader is going to burn out. But, I mean, if 9-11 happens, um, what's funny about that? There's nothing funny about that. There's really not a lot funny about Katrina, although there's stuff over time that becomes funny. Uh, but when you're doing an obituary cartoon, and most of the time I do it over people that we know, 
I think probably the most powerful one I did, though, was for a young man that went to a local school here named Walker Wilbanks. Mm-hmm. And Walker, he got he overheated in a football game, and he ended up dying. And I had met him a few months before. He was a big kid, just gregarious, loved life. But the amazing thing about it was I had already done the cartoon for that day, and I was running out of time. So I just got this feeling that I needed to do something. And I stayed extra, and I forgot the other cartoon and drew this one. By the time I got it up and on put it on Twitter, their family had seen it while they were in the room with him after he'd passed. And wow. it gave them great solace and great comfort. And, of course, the cartoon ended up going everywhere. But the thing, the reason I wanted the cartoon in there is because his life brought so many people together and made people realize what's so important in his life. And that's the love of a child. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a coffee table um, uh, book that you're going to be um, having. So basically, you, you're, the whole idea is to just have folks looking at it at the coffee table. And, uh, or in the back of a toilet, one of the two. <laughs> oh, that's gross. And, you know, it's going to oh, bring some emotions out of people, you know. So I'm sure that is the – but this is your which, – which number book is this? This is – oh, I don't even – I've lost track. Oh, um, see. No, this is a third cartoon book. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I've done two short story books. I've done a children's book. And have illustrated a bunch of books for other people. So now, one thing that's unique about this one is they're not just cartoons; they have descriptions. And right, the I tell stories. the story of each cartoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so it's, you can look at the book two ways: you can flip through it and look at the cartoons, or you can flip through and read each caption and take a lot more time with it. So there's a lot to the book. So, what are your thoughts on the future um, of your own career as a political cartoonist? I know now with the rise of social media, I mean, so many of your cartoons are able to go viral, and because there's so much money in that. <laughs> well, no, you know, but it does it does increase your following. Um, but, you know, what what are your thoughts on your future as a political cartoonist? I mean, you're always going to have content and material. Well, I start now. truck driving school next week. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's it, it, obviously my career and my business has changed a lot in the last 10 years and it's going to change a lot more. But the, the bottom line is and I've been very blessed that in Mississippi, people really love the cartoons and, I, and I'm going to keep doing them as long as I can. Now, I love toward the end of the book, you have a lot of the presidential campaign uh, yes. stuff in here. So nobody is off limits. You know, Trump, Hillary, everybody is uh, on limits, which I think is awesome. And I think it takes a lot of guts uh, to take chances like that, to, to draw about things that may offend people, but also may convict them as well. Do you think that's your responsibility? I think so. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny when I was laying out the book, I put a lot of cartoons I know people are going to love to see again. There's someone that might make them mad too because you know what not everybody's walked my walk you know and that's that's why i tell people i said you know my wife married me and she doesn't agree with me half the time so i mean that's normal so somebody gets mad about the cartoon that's great but it's always fun when i go do signings like i'll be doing mistletoe this week mistletoe marketplace in jackson i'll be there the whole time come look for me booth 429 but the thing is i love hearing the stories how the cartoons have touched people's lives and that really makes me feel like that I love, you know, that what I do means something. Yeah. And you are not a, a native Mississippian, but you have definitely uh, secured your space 20 here years. in the state. Yeah. 20 years. I was a youngin when I came here. I was the youngest person in the newsroom when I got here. Yeah, and you tell an awesome story on your Facebook page as well about getting hired at the Clearing Ledger, which is really cool. So uh, that's that's something to check out. All right, Marshall, well, that, that's uh, going to wrap up the show. Once again, you're going to be at Mistletoe Win. I'll be starting Wednesday night for the preview party, and I'll be there every day until Saturday. So that'll be fun. Come, yep. come say hi. All right. Good, Marshall. Congratulations. Thank you, and thank you for a wonderful interview. I was nervous. I've never been on this. Well, yeah, I have. Who am I kidding? <laughs> anyway, Sharita, thank you so much. And, of course, I want to thank Pamela Confer for being in as well. She's uh, fantastic and, of course, very talented as well. Coming up next, we have Southern Remedy.
This is Now You're Talking, a production of MPB Think Radio, and we will see you all next Monday.